0: Welcome to the Wheel Reads, a Wheel of Time podcast. Your hosts are Alan, Chris, and Ian. This podcast is safe for first-time readers with no spoilers. This week, we'll be covering chapters 30, 34 and 35 of The Eye of the World, The Last Village, and Camelot. Enjoy. All right. Welcome to episode 17. Uh, moving right along to the big 20 number and getting closer and closer, finally, to the end of the first book. Uh, we're kind of in that home stretch now. I know it seems like we're still a long ways to go. I know for Ian and Chris, by looking at their books, it seems like there's mm-hmm. still a lot left. But uh, it is getting closer, and it seems like nothing's wrapping up yet, but uh, but we'll get there. You know? <laughs> More questions. More sure. questions. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this book, one of, of 15 total that we're going to read. So it's, um, you know, there, there's some questions that will not be answered this book. I can tell you that much. Um, some. <laughs> some, if not all. So, yeah. So um, moving on to some housekeeping things. Uh, just wanted to always give a shout out to our Patreons. Uh, thank you so much, Aaron. Uh, Delusions of Grindel for coming on last week. You're fantastic we all appreciate it so much. I think he even made the comment that he might be out of a job. If you were not a first time reader, uh, if you were a first time reader, but um, yeah. you know, she luckily, was he great. Has job, luckily he has uh job security there. Uh, so um, other things uh, we did hit 500 followers on Twitter today. So uh, that's another kind of milestone for us. Uh, 500. And we are, are just a little bit away from 3000 total downloads. So, we are uh, marching right along. Um, that number keeps going up and up. We should actually hit that by this weekend 3,000 downloads. So, that's, awesome. that's how we record next time. We'll be at 3,000 total downloads. So, we're growing. It's, it's been going good. Um, so, yeah, that's that's it for like the housekeeping things. Now, as far as personal life goes, um, you know, we're still in quarantine. <laughs> no surprises there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, not much else is really going on in my life. Um, it's just been, uh, it's been a busy day uh we've had some family things happen today um i can talk about that with people offline if they want to but it's uh still a lot to to to, to kind of grasp but um uh, my uncle had to go to the hospital but um but we're we're working through all that and um and hopefully everything works out all right but uh so um other than that what about you guys what's going on
1: uh, so I made the announcement that I made into the program. Uh, I'm in the Emerging Teacher Program, so I will become a teacher soon, which is awesome. I've actually finished the secondary application that has to be turned into Old Dominion University, which is one of the colleges here on the East Coast. Um, I'll be taking a seven-week program with them, and then they will give me my own classroom, which is really crazy. Um, but that speeds up my um, plan for my you know, professional plan By about three and a half, four years Which is really awesome <laughs> And it's saving me about Seven grand overall Which is even better So I'm pretty excited
0: with that Anything new in your world, Ian?
2: Uh, nothing too much uh, I wake up every morning And look forward to Alan posting the Groundhog Day meme uh, and I make sure I put my little badger tag on it. Um, <laughs> let's see what else. Uh, so in the job world, uh, I don't know if I ever announced it on here, but you know, Alan, you knew I had a job pending in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Um, and it was a Navy civilian job or excuse me. It was with the department of defense education activity, uh, at the high school, and middle school there. Uh, they haven't actually given me the final date that I have to decide on, but they they did mention to me that uh, since it is a essential position, that they are going to move forward with the PCS moves for jobs like that. So I do have to decide kind of soon, although I'm thinking I will stay where I'm at because uh, since that got drawn out for so long, I actually managed to get promoted where I'm at in Southern Maryland. Uh, and that's obviously much closer to the kids and, uh, I don't know, a lot to be decided there, but I don't think I'm going to Cuba, but man, it would be an awesome experience because there's great sailing and good diving there. If any of y'all are divers, so I don't know. I got to pray. I got to pray on that one. If you guys are praying folks, feel free to put one out there for me. Decisions to be made. I I've never, I've never been
0: certified as a scuba diver. Um, although I probably shouldn't say this on a, on a podcast because I've never been certified, but I've done, I think, more hours than most people have uh, yeah. with scuba gear on. Um, I, <laughs> I used to dive on boats and clean the bottom of boats. So I never did like deep dives uh, where you actually do like tables and stuff like that and do stops because the most we're diving down is about um, you know, a few meters. So it's not nothing yeah, really. Yeah, no biggie. No biggie. Um, so, but spent many, many hours underwater. Um, mostly marinas where you can't see anything so it's not fun diving <laughs> <laughs> so um it's actually my week as well to do our country and state um our our state um we're kind of running out of state so i would stick with countries um one country that actually i moved to asia because it's a country that surprised me that we don't have a listener from yet which is south korea um Ooh. we don't have we don't have any any listeners to south korea um so um I'd love to have a listener there. I've I have lots of friends that have lived there, or traveled there, and um, I've I've flown to the airport there. Um,
2: <laughs> that's about. I've, the- I've <laughs> got military buddies there, so that's a possibility. But uh, yeah. some locals would be cool if we yeah. have that connection. So yeah, let's reach out and, see what we can do. And,
0: and the guy who's actually playing Lan, Daniel Haney, he's he's of South Korean descent. Um, so um, I actually think he speaks fluent Korean. So. Um, he 's playing land on the TV show, so interesting. yeah, yeah let 's do it that 's a good one great pick yeah yeah, there we go south korea let's let's there 's some connections there at a wheel of time, so um, moving forward to predictions from last week before we get into the chapter, so uh, one prediction was that tom 's going to be back soon, I think Chris said that. Yeah. Um, I think both you guys said that Pat and Fane's following them like yeah, that 's one thing that you guys predicted um, um, something is drawing uh, the dark friends to them. I mean, I think you guys picked a couple things. You said either it's uh, the dagger or maybe Matt drank from the cup during the dream, or um, you guys can throw out a couple theories there, but uh, about what's following them or sure. what's making them follow. And then um, the last thing is, uh, is trust no one. Dark friends are everywhere. Uh, kind of truth. Kind of, I think that, yeah. <laughs>
2: Hashtag bumper sticker, wear the t-shirt. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so moving on to chapter 34, uh, the last village. So, we're finally coming to the end of this traveling. Um, we got the the, t- the title, and then the icon is Trollocs. So,
2: thoughts about this? Uh, so, initial thoughts when I saw it, or me looking at it now having read the chapter? Initial thoughts when you saw
0: it, because it's obviously different.
2: Sure. Initial thoughts when I saw it, um, well, they're about to get ambushed by Trollocs, uh, because I've pretty strongly associated it with... Um, Trolloc slash, you know, heavy metal screen band. But um, yeah, yep. that's initially what I thought, obviously. Isn't exactly how it panned out. Sure. <laughs> the,
1: the so more, con-
2: more confusion again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> More confusion.
1: Uh, for yeah. me, I, I think I was in the same boat. Like I'm so used to this symbol meaning, you know, Issues with Trolloc, but having read it, we know that there's... It's not the case, so I'm really confused at this point as to why we continue to see this or maybe we have the wrong interpretation of this symbol. So... Maybe it just means dark <laughs> yeah. friends in general. Right. Because yeah. that we have plenty of... Could
2: be. <laughs> yeah. It could so be. My, my, my closest theory on it actually... Jumps into the next chapter. Okay. uh, And I'll I'll throw one quick line and we're going to touch it again when we get there. But in the next chapter, there's a line where they say what they did not see. They could not ignore what they did not see was not really there. And then we have a chapter where I'm looking at this symbol like, ha ha, the dark friends, the Trollocs. Clearly, this is about to go down. Uh, And then it doesn't really or does it? are we entering this phase where now it's impossible to tell friend from foe? Like, uh, I know we've had that issue in the past, but like now, I mean, you're, you're coming up in an, an area that's pretty dense with people. I mean, I don't know. I'm throwing stuff sure. out there. I don't know. Maybe they're there. You just don't see them. <laughs> sure. Dun, 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 dun.
0: So, yeah. So the, the, the chapter starts, we'll kind of get right into it. Um, with them getting to Cary's Ford, I guess is that village. And they're trying to avoid all these towns anyway. So they're, um, as you can tell, they're kind of wandering around uh, the village and they go over, over the bridge over, um, over there. Um, The village seems peaceful, but like I said, they're still super skeptical of everyone. They're trying to avoid the village. Um, and, And I like this little scene just because you do get some of the real time measurements. I think Matt in conversation um actually list them out um you know what a span is
2: and yeah, it's a couple it, paces it, and right and how many how many spans to a mile what was it two paces to the span he muttered a thousand spans to the mile four miles to the league mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah so it's obviously a little different than our measurements this film, but at least let you contextualize or kind of figure out you know what they're talking about here yeah man so yeah, so they get across this bridge and and Matt's super hungry and and just stops and protests like I'm not going any further. Um, you know, and and they decide to go sleep in some haystacks. <laughs> um, which uh sounds really uncomfortable to me, but um, yeah, before we move any further, any thoughts on this opening scene from you guys?
1: I've slept in haystacks. They are not comfortable, so I definitely concur the idea of sleeping in one. Period. Sounds horrible. I've had hay fever too. Not a good thought. But mm-hmm. The idea that they've been doing this for night after night after night. Yeah, that really sucks.
2: <laughs> yeah. That, that's funny. I, I would think on average, not many people have haystack experience. Uh, and I haven't slept in one, but I've I've done things in a haystack before and it was not comfortable. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Yeah. But I, I will say, so on this opening scene, uh, all that joking aside... Um the first thing I wrote on page one of chapter thirty four was bullshit uh mm-hmm. and and i'll I'll read first and then tell you what I meant by that uh but he's talking about Carriesford and he says it's neat vine covered brick houses and narrow lanes except for the camelin road itself, quiet and outwardly peaceful, but what's underneath he wondered uh and I just wrote that in the bullshit in the uh margin there. <laughs> because i was thinking he would make a great co-worker uh one of the best things i had to learn working for the government but managing contracts is that whenever you're talking to a contractor pretty much any word that comes out of their mouth you should think bullshit Uh, i i got i got caught off guard many times early on by you know taking people for their word in this business and and they mean really well and they You know, they speak a good game, but you just got to remember they're motivated by money. So, yeah, I felt him on this one, just walking around. And every time you see something that looks fantastic and thinking, but what's really underneath? I mean, that's that maybe this is why I'm so jaded about every character we run into. Like, that's my day to day life at work is listening to people paint a beautiful picture and thinking what's underneath and calling bullshit on them. So I'd hire him. He could work for me.
0: (laughs) Sure. <laughs> so, um, you know, they sleep in the, in the haystacks. Um, uh, you know, Matt's kind of mumbling while they're there that, you know, they, everybody else is dead. Matt's really down on himself at this point. Um, not not happy at all. The next morning when they wake up, they realize quickly that there's people everywhere. Um, the road's getting really crowded, and, and, and Matt's kind of super, super, uh, uh, you know, suspicious of the crowds. You know, he's obviously worried there's dark friends everywhere he doesn't want to go on the road and um, and I don't think Ran even likes it either that it's so crowded but you realize why it's so crowded it's not normal um, they' um, everyone's heading to Caylin to see the false dragon well um, seeing its low game It's funny come.
1: because depending on the character it's the dragon versus the false dragon so you have a mm-hmm. lot of individuals that are kind of I don't want to call them followers, but they are in real belief that this is the real dragon. And then you have others that clearly are just like in denial and want to see another guy who's touched the magic or been touched by the magic and is going to be, uh, I guess his life will be ended soon, I guess is the hopes here. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah, well, and th- there's confusion about it all around because they also, they'll talk about followers of the dragon and then, say, dark friends. And then, in one instance, we're not quite there yet, but I underlined it, where they kind of interchange them. Like, I mean, what does it matter? They're both one and the same. But then there's some people that differentiate, obviously, between you know, the dragon and people interested in following versus dark friends. So it, things are getting all mixed up and blended here as we get co- uh, closer to canland.
1: I actually had that right. observation as well. We know from the beginning of the book that they're two different characters essentially, but I think it's just over time people have blended the two and it really doesn't make a difference. They're both dark people in their mind.
2: So, yeah. Sure. Trust no one. What's really so, there underneath? You go. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So as they're traveling along the road now, you know, they're seeing farmers go by and the roads kind of clogged up. So the farmers are moving slow, but the merchants are, are not wasting any time at all. In fact, everybody moves out of the way for them because they have guards. So, um, and they're pretty hasty with the way they um, they're acting. Um, I think the first one that rolls by Rand moves out of the way. And the guy still tries to hit him with a whip, you know, doesn't even laugh about it. Just doesn't even care. Just peasants. You know, it's basically the way they're looking at them. Well, you
1: know, I took it kind of differently. Um, it wasn't more peasants, but you're dark friends, so you're in my way.
0: Yeah. It just, it's, it's, you feel like this, it's a, I don't want to say like the caste system in India, but like definitely a class oh, system, you know, um, um, where, where, you know, the merchants are a higher class than the, the regular folk that are walking along the road. So, you know, how dare you even think about getting in my way, even getting near me, um, Definitely. uh, It reminds me a lot of India's caste
2: system. Um, um, I'm 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 not going to have too judgmental of a moment, but let's be honest. Let's not throw this off on some other country and say it reminds me of their caste systems and this, that, and the other. Uh, In our neighborhoods, especially where I'm at right now, or either at either of my parents' house or even where I live on the boat, if we had a group of people... That were nomadic, or obviously traveling, and filthy and dirty, and clearly haven't eaten in a while, and just asking for work as they moved along. We would be just as suspicious and treat them like shit. Well, I
1: definitely agree. I, sure. I would hope,
2: I would hope not, but but we we would, and and most everybody that's listening. I mean, you can ask yourself the same question, but let's not be too quick to push this off on. Oh, this reminds me of some other society. No, no. It's- <laughs> I feel like we would. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It, it, would, I mean, it would be yeah. tough to accept that and feel safe with this happening in our neighborhood. So anyway, so, I, I mean, still, I still love you, Alan, but uh, you're a dark friend. Uh,
0: uh, I know. But,
2: but <laughs> it's it, it,
0: point. Yes. Even growing up there was, and, and you see it less now, maybe because I'm just older and maybe, and maybe our cultures have started shifting a little bit, but definitely growing up a lot more prevalent. I mean, I can think back to when Ian and I, as a high school job, we both lifeguard at a local country club. Um, and if someone were to show up looking kind of like street clothes or something like that to the country club as lifeguards, we were trained or told that we we're yep. to go up to them and be very suspicious and ask them who, who are the guests of? Why are they here? Ask um, for member and, number, try and get
2: yeah. all the, yeah. Like, yeah. You, and we were trained You're right to do that.
0: Yeah. Um, um, just judging by the way they looked coming in. Um, it'll sometimes even, Turned around and burned you because it was some kid of uh, some rich doctor, and, and <laughs> <laughs> that, that was actually
2: the case more often than not. But yeah, you're right. No, but yeah, but um, but yeah, it was. Uh,
0: we were definitely they definitely had that even there. Um, you know, nowadays going to the same country club, uh, half people there wear street clothes, so it's not. It's yeah, definitely changed. It's, it, it's completely different than it was twenty years ago, thirty years ago. So
2: yeah, Anywho yeah,
0: anyhow. But, anyhow. My but PSA yes. for the <laughs> chapter. Sure. <laughs> so yeah, but as they're walking along, uh Rand actually does get hit by one of the whips, almost takes out his eye, it says, and now he's bleeding. And and Matt almost turns and rounds and shoots the guy with the bow. So you know <laughs>
2: God, I love Matt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that would have ended well for them if that if that had happened. I think they were outmanned um and out, outgunned. But um For sure.
2: But you have, but got You got to have that wild card with you, though, man. I don't know. Yeah, I I feel like, especially my uh my barracks life in Germany, uh, I was I was very strongly met during that time frame. It didn't take much for me to uh, be inclined to jump into a fight or to swim naked in a fountain. Or if we're going over a bridge, I would go. I think we should jump off this and just do it. Just like just the random. If there was an opportunity for something, uh. But especially if we run into confrontation i was the first one to suggest fight luckily though i yeah. had a rand near me uh at all times that would be like uh bro dude's the size of chris and there's six of them this is a bad idea <laughs> you know? but i i love his spirit that's all i'm saying. sure
0: yeah, and you know, as they keep on going, the farmers are complaining to the queen's guard because the queen's guard's on the road as well. And, and the queen's guard kind of answers back the farmers; they have every right to be here too. Um, you know, but they're just short with the people traveling as they are with the farmer. Just saying, we'll keep moving along. You know, just just because uh, just cause you have the right to be here doesn't mean stop and hold the traffic up because I think Rand stops and pays attention. Um, as they move along, they pass two more villages. They say they sneak past them or or move past them, trying to. Kind of keep unnoticed and and not trying to stop anywhere at this point. And then, um, and by dusk they're kind of on the lo- road right alone at this point. They realize the kind of the roads emptied. People have gone and found their own haystacks or hedges to sleep underneath or gone to the villages. Um, and they're kind of on the road al- by themselves again. Um, and they finally get to the third village and it's nighttime. Um, uh, the thing about going around this one as well, but Matt's complained at this point, saying, "No, nope, you know, I've had enough." never walking i'm too tired um you know we need to stop and and Rand says you know just another mile past the village and, and we'll stop then um and then we get to this next scene so anything you guys want to add before we get to this next this scene this is like get that the
1: chapter for me that ian's had for two or three chapters here and there where it's just that let's hurry this along it's moving way too slow um <laughs> Yeah. So I'm on. The, I hope we're on the same page. Like this will probably be one of the shortest episodes we have, believe it or not, um, just because of the fact that this chapter is really just rushing them through towns. Um, you know, there's not much Dep- depth to it. I mean, there's great illustration in regards to what you see along the roads and the the conversations with people, the laxadaisical um, actions of the guards. When it comes to the travelers, I mean, the guard he made the statement um, to one of the farmers. He said, "Lights, man! You only have a handful of them here. Camlins' walls are bulging with them, and more coming every day." So you kind of get the the idea that you know people have been going through these towns for days, and you know the farmers are over it because they're all probably stealing some of their stuff, and they're you know, trotting all on in the way. And at the end of the day, it's like, dude, they're walking through your home, but they're staying in mine. <laughs> and then you, you get this idea yeah. that um, Rand is really pushing Matt to kind of move along for the very simple fact the, the statement was, as long as we can see the road, the further we go before stopping, the further ahead we are. And the thought behind it was if they are chasing you. Why should they chase now when they've been waiting for you to come to them so far? So he's just like, we damned if we do damned if we don't. So why not get to where we're going and see what comes next?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I feel yeah. for them. So-
2: All right. So it's funny that you say that, Chris, uh, about this just being a chapter moving us along. Because I thought that also when I read it, um, so I made it a point to go back, and I was like, I have to find one or two things because Chris is gonna make me put my life jacket on or my my floaties, and he's gonna go deep somewhere, so I got to be ready uh, with something. So this isn't great. Don't get too excited, folks. But I, I got a little something. So let's go backwards a little bit. I'll pull Chris. We'll go Way back. back. Uh, right after the encounter with the yeah. Right after the encounter with the Queen's Guard. Uh, he's talking about, um, he said he realized once he had his hand on the flute case and firmly pushed around his back. Goad had known about the flute and the juggling. There was no telling how much Bealzaman had learned from him before the end, if what Ran had seen had been the end, or how much had been passed to other dark friends. So I pulled two things from that. Uh, one, this is Rand realizing uh, what what fed them and got them housing before isn't going to work anymore. They they can't go from town to town and play and and do their their t- best Tom impression and get a meal and get a place to stay because now they're going to stand out. Dark friends know what to look for. Uh, but then I underlined the last line where it says, "Or how much had been passed to other dark friends?" And now I'm back. It. it I wrote not how much, but how, like, how is this being information going from dark friend to dark friend? Like, does Bialzaman have this connection? Like <laughs> he has in the dreams with these kids, with all of the other players in the dark friend world. Like how was all this info being passed along so quickly? Um, And it even made me think earlier about how Moraine and land were questioning, like, how is it, all like these numbers of Trollocs were able to form in this area with nobody noticing. I mean, it wasn't just a few Trollocs. They were being chased by so many, and nobody knew that they had had grown to that number in that area. So there's something happening on the – I'm saying the dark side. Don't judge me for saying that. On the dark side of things, uh, they're able – like there's all this information being passed around. Their numbers are growing. They're everywhere, but I still – unless I'm missing something, I still don't know how they're able to pass information so easily and how it's following them so quickly along the road. It's the 5G exactly. dark for Network. Remember that from last Yeah, episode. that's what it is. <laughs> oh, the... <laughs> if, if it was the second chapter of the night, bro, <laughs> I don't remember it. <laughs> hopefully, I, hopefully I made good comments. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
0: you. I, uh, I you, you get the, sound the
2: sound. same
1: exact sentences just because you do see that they kind of lost their ability to, to fund their trip, you know? And right. you're right, it mm-hmm. does right. go back to the, how is the information being passed? How is the dark one able to control the environment so well? How was the information being passed along? And at the end of the day, you know, I feel like we had the opportunity to get that information, but we gave it up by you know locking up our female dark friend and not really questioning her very much and then we had uh what is his name yeah the the no parts here Pater, thank you pater pater i was <laughs> like going to bring him, him up I, i'm we glad you we did we could have done anything with him and we did absolutely nothing
2: like true but that he, emphasizes the point even more i mean it was very funny like how we were introduced to pater and i don't know if we see him again but he was if we don't see him again like oh, no, what a worthless a user, dark the, friend right the, the and we covered Commander that of the dark friends yeah. no watch yeah. watch watch yeah. him be bealzaman that'd be hilarious but for, <laughs> for right for right now from what we're seeing like pater is like the the worst dark friend ever and yet he was still informed and he still knew who they were and he was still in the loop on the on the dark side uh, as far as communication. So, like, I, I don't know. The, their network, uh, I don't know if that gets answered. I, I, I hope it does sometime soon. But it's it's interesting well, how they're I able to We do get a glimpse as to whatnot. the how
1: coming up here.
0: Yeah, a little bit. So, yeah, so that's the very next scene. So we're at this inn. They're kind of in the woods, I guess, are in the outskirts looking in towards this inn. They see a cart. And a guy's kind of working his part, but then they see two men near the shadows talking to each other. One man's really nervous, and they can make him out. And the other is just like this dark figure, and they can't figure out—you know, if the dark—you know, can't really see the dark figure. But the man talking to him is extremely nervous, and they can tell that he's nervous. Um, and then, as the dark figure moves away, Rand realizes right away, or he sees the cloak not moving in the wind. Yeah. And you know, well, right said, away, it's a face.
1: Rand watched the shape moving off in the night. He did not know why, but his uneasiness seemed to follow that one a vague tingling in the back of his neck and the hair stirring on his arms as if he had suddenly realized something was sneaking up on him. With a quick shake of his head, he rubbed his arm briskly. Getting as foolish as Matt, aren't you? And he said, At that moment, the form slipped by the edge of the light from a window just on the brink of it, and Rand's skin crawled. The end's the sign was screeching in the wind, but the dark cloak never stirred. So, we have to remember that yeah. every time one of these dark friends found the boys, it was like they were emanating with the dark one. Like that, that concept, that thought kept coming up, like, we know you because like, we can sense you. Well here is Rand sensing this Mm -hmm. fade. Like he's getting all of these Mm, feelings and their external indicators that make him physically uneasy and draw his mind to the fade. So I think like maybe they kind of give off that same aura as the fades get off give off excuse me.
2: Okay. Sure. Oh, so you're saying the fades can kind of, even if they can't directly see, maybe they can feel sense the presence of. Exactly. And Rand I, well. like I Yeah,
1: they can sense or feel the magic of Bialzaman coming through the boys. And that's how he has marked them.
2: Ooh. And hey. then this
1: is how our information is getting back and forth. The fades are moving from town to town, city to city ahead of them. And we already have the idea that yeah, you have that high mentality kind of... between the different fades and the Trollocs, so maybe these fades are already there, and they're relaying the information to the dark friends throughout the different cities and towns.
2: Mm-hmm. True, true. Possibly, possibly. Oh, there's this new perhaps. Here. There we go. Sure. <laughs> sure. sure. <laughs> 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 All
0: right. So the 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 man that had the cart, you know, the entire time he's trying not kind of be noticed, but then as soon as the, the fade leaves, he kinda of calls out the uh, the other guy, which realizes the innkeeper. You know, he's like, strange friend you have. Um you know, and the and the guy starts you know, they they overhear this conversation between uh who we eventually find out is on font. Um, but right now it's just the guy at the cart and this innkeeper. Um and talks about that that this his friend is looking for someone or looking for two guys, one of them stole a hair and mark's sword and um and they're up there dark friends up to no good, and uh you know it's, we're offering a a large reward uh to bring them
2: in a hundred crowns of gold for the two of them mm-hmm. uh do we do we have anything, Chris? You might be better than me at tracking this stuff. Do we have anything to put in perspective how much money that is compared to what they've been carrying? I mean, well, they had that I'll one silver piece from Tarvalon, which but, was
0: huge for them, and it was right. a mark. And if it gets
2: silver is worth less than gold, like it is today's standard, right? So at the very least, it's it's a lot of money. But I mean, is this like well, a, I mean, lot, a lot? A lot of about money?
1: The fact that that one silver it seems piece over the top. Got them passage on the boat got them food and got them change then a hundred gold pieces could easily probably buy the boat
2: yeah Yeah, and and that's why I wonder like what the amount is because this just seems like for a simple person who wins the lottery gets a hundred crowns in gold uh, if they continue to be simple they could retire off this shit I mean that just it seemed like a way over the top amount of money I, I haven't heard of this amount being no, even closely discussed Blunt anywhere in the books my, so
1: um, He gets some affinity from me. Like the sarcasm picks up right away, and yes. I love sarcastic people. I don't yeah. know what it is. It's probably because I am one, but I love it when I can hear and feel the sarcasm, even in the reading. And he's talking to, uh, is it Ryman Holdwin? And he's like, yeah, okay. Right. Uh huh. Sure. This sword is worth that much. <laughs> and then the focus goes to the two people. And then he's like, oh, he probably wants the sword back too, right? What's the sword
2: worth?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's, no, it's love funny. You, uh... love you for that, Chris.
0: Yeah, yeah he's I, making...
2: I felt the same way.
0: Yeah, he's kind of making fun of the innkeeper the entire time. It's extremely sarcastic. Um and the innkeeper gets upset about it and kind of storms off. And uh and and Rand immediately is like goes tries to go up to Bud to ask for a ride and Matt's super hesitant, like what the hell are you doing? Um you know, obviously just has this conversation that there's a there's a there's a price in their head and the first instinct is <laughs> go run up to the guy, like <laughs>
2: Well, it's a roll of the dice, but it would have been absolutely stupid to go up to the innkeeper and talk to him. But like Chris pointed out, the way the conversation went on with Bunt, uh, you can tell his sarcastic tone and everything. Either A, he didn't believe it, or B, kind of like me, where I looked at the amount of money that was being offered. Like, there's some there's some tomfoolery going on here. You can't just believe that, Oh, they stole a sword and they are thieves and they're dark friends be like, Oh, okay. And they're this young doing these little peasant crimes Boy, he's like, hey. and you're offering this much money. No, there's more, there's, there's some shenanigans here. So he, he kind of shrugs it off. So I, I, if, if I had to roll the dice and I was ran and I had to get out of that town, which he needed to, cause uh, the innkeeper was looking for him and that <laughs> word might spread like I think I think Rand made yeah, a, a good calculated decision. Up. He's
1: like, so they're dark friends sure. and followers of Logain. So dark friends and followers of the False Dragon. He's like, man, for young guys, they're really up to some be- big stuff. So I love it. I really love the sarcasm. Like yeah. <laughs> he has become my <laughs> second favorite character.
0: Right. <laughs>
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm glad you read it that way because that that's how I took it. And and that's why it made it easy mm-hmm. for me to be like, This makes sense that Rand would I, I say roll the dice, but calculate a decision <laughs> and, and try and hop a ride here.
0: Yeah. So and Bunt almost immediately says, Sure, sure, hop on in. Um and and, re- and they starts taking off right away and Matt actually has to run and climb on as they're going. Um as as the cart's kind of moving along the road, um, uh, Rand's super worried about fades. So he's kind of looking outside the cart and realizes he's just going to start imagining things if he keeps looking out anymore. And kind of just sinks back down. And, and Butt just starts talking. He starts talking about Camlin, and you learn a lot in this quick interaction before um, before he goes to sleep. So um, we learn, you know, about the Queen Morguez, um, and that she has an Sedai advisor.
2: Hold on, at this point, when you say the Queen Morgase, you have to do <laughs> air quotes. <laughs>
0: Oh, what? Why? That's well,
2: because there's a hint that perhaps the Aes Sedai is really running things, but then oh, there's yeah. also the hint that there is a next in line that we don't know for certain. She's dead, but for right uh-huh. now, air quotes, we have a queen on the throne. Right, and so, Bunt is a good queen's man, so you know exactly. Don't forget
0: but he that. doesn't like the Aes Sedai. You know, he'd rather, he'd rather the queen not deal with the Aes Sedai, but that has been like that for generations and generations.
2: And uh, he's he, a good queen's man, so why, you know, why question exactly. it?
0: Um, yeah. And and you learn that winter's been tough everywhere, even in this part of the world. Um, they kind of talk about that. And and you learn two of Morghese's kids, their names are Elaine and Gawain, uh, um, Gawain, um, and they're right. the, queen, the kids of the king, uh, queen. Um other names you get for the first time, Lord Luke is dead, and Tigraine has gone, and might as well be dead, too. But Tigraine was supposed to be queen.
2: Correct. Um, but she disappeared. Um, he, the, the, the boys just got a lot of like <laughs> politics, probably conversation that could get you in trouble talking to the wrong people. Just got a lot of this dumped on them when they're struggling to fall asleep, stay awake. Not die of starvation, and this guy's just running his mouth, just dumping all this info. So, again, it, it's fitting for a chapter that's just supposed to move us along and sprinkle well, and us some with things some new that information. But, my
1: attention, some small okay. details that, since we, we talk fan fiction every now and then, there's that concept that this could be like a post apocalyptic United States. So, then you have the detail this weather, the crops are failing, mm-hmm. cows are drying up calves and lambs born dead or with two heads. Blood ravens don't even wait for things to die. It kinda sounds mm. like maybe there's some radiation poisoning or something that's happened and now you're getting mutations or death of the the yields of the the um you know your your calves and stuff like that. So that it drew my attention just because of that imagery. I could see that happening. Like a nuclear fallout and then all of a sudden you have all these weird things occurring and then they bring up the fact that the dragon things turns up on people's doors again things are creeping about in the night so he's got a lot of knowledge for a, an old farmer riding around in his yeah so I'm like what? Is, what is his story make? like maybe this is really the beginning and end of him for us but he's got a lot of knowledge for somebody that is supposed to be a farmer from the local area. So.
2: But wouldn't, wouldn't he fit right in? Like, remember how we were uh, trying to contemplate like what type of guild Tom could have been a part of. And one we're convinced he's not dead and that he, he had some greater mission uh, or plans for the boys. And he belonged to some, he wasn't just a gleeman sort of thing but like this guy that just happens to conveniently show up and help them along their way and give them a little bit more interesting information about what they're heading into. Like if, if Tom was part of some secret guild that we find out in four more books, um, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that that bunt wasn't of the, of, wasn't of like the that. same cloth, you know? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Put your
2: floaties on motherfucker.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we also we also find the queen's husband was uh, was the same husband as the first uh, i guess as 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 Tigraine. They the uh um same husband of her once she disappeared married more um but then he was mm-hmm. killed by the aiel during that war mm-hmm.
2: so th- th- he's out of the picture now right so she's so she's a widow hmm.
0: yeah um and he's not happy about her kids going to Tarvallon because apparently that's For been 3, another thing. that they, They've always gone to train, and he's not happy about it. It's about, it's about time to stop that. Um, and as Bunt just keeps on talking and talking and talking, eventually, uh, Rand just falls asleep. Because <laughs> <laughs> cause as many people on my discourse say, as I keep on talking, they just fall
2: asleep too. So and Oh, one, no. <laughs> I've only fallen asleep <laughs> twice in the burrow. Yeah, yeah. Like I, more than that. <laughs> yeah,
0: I know. So then we enter into the dreams. Um. Yeah. So he immediately starts getting some really kind of vivid dreams, and this is not the same as the other dreams. So these these are definitely like kind of normal dreams, but they're 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 weird too. Um. You know, he dreams of Tam. He dreams of Tom. Um. You know, and that's kind of the big one is he's carrying Tam in the litter, and then all of a sudden it's Tom juggling uh, behind him and. And it gets to one of my favorite quotes uh, from, from the from the you know where the queen is wed to the land, but the dragon is is one with the land, and the land is one with the dragon. I don't know if you have thoughts
2: about all that. That's one of my favorite lines from that. But I've I've got it I've got it highlighted. But um, this is one of those points where I I put my floaties on, and I was waiting for Chris to. Have something good. (laughs) I just, I know it's, I know it's significant, but I've got nothing. You know, it was one
1: of those quotes where I looked at and I was like, "This is a really neat quote. It's really cool." I wonder what specifically is meant by this. (laughs) It's neat, and then I, I, I really took the time to think about it. The queen is wed to the land, so she has a responsibility to the land just because of her namesake. This is, but the dragon, the dragon is the one with the land. The land is one with the dragon. I think that just is the implication that the dragon is connected through the one power. And, you know, I didn't really take it very deeply because for me that kind of is what stood out. Like we have this understanding that the dragon, though male, is connected to the power and the power is coming from the land. Um, The only thing that surprised me is that, you know, we always have this connection with women being able to better maintain and control the power and not be driven crazy by it so this sense that the male is more connected to the land than the woman you know that really confused me a little bit since we always think mother earth and we always think in that sense today i was like well this is Ooh. this is a different way of thinking about things and i really need to to take a step back and really keep this in mind as we read further along
2: yeah man <laughs> sure i'm digging it
0: so yeah as uh, but as they're walking or as he's walking his dream and and dragging Tom along and Tom's talking, juggling, he turns back and sees a fade behind them, on them and and has the head of of land and moraine, you know both beheaded on either hand, and then the other imman fielders are kind of being dragged behind behind him um and this kind of grisly, gruesome image that he's having. And you know, he cries out and he, he burns up Egwene. Uh <laughs> oh, It catches in flames.
2: Yeah, so I had a, because I like Egwene at this point and I know Rand cares for her and I kinda like Rand too. Uh my defense mechanism kicked in. Instead of actually pitching her bursting in flames, uh I pitched her to that dude from the uh towards the end of Holy Grail with like the the horns, or whatever, and they walk up on <laughs> him, and he's just pointing and blowing shit up. Hey, Tim, <laughs> so Tim like, the Enchan- His name is Tim the Enchanter. Yeah, Tim the Enchanter. <laughs> so, like, Rand looks at Egwene, and Tim the Enchanter <laughs> goes, Oh, you like her? <laughs> Points at her, and she blows up. And so, that's how I got through this little portion with a smile on my face. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. I just, yeah. Uh, so Rand suddenly wakes up
0: and uh, he thinks he wakes up and there's a raven on top of him and goes to pluck at his well, eye. And then he really by, wakes up. He
1: requoted himself, um, Tom, that is, after we watch Egwene get burned up. The dragon is one with the land and the land is one with the dragon. So I want to know what the significance behind that is now. I think mm-hmm. really we're getting more question marks thrown at us that we're not going to discover the answer to anytime soon. Um, or it could be kind of a premonition, yeah. of like, you know, this current man who's claiming to be the dragon really will be, and he's going to be able to use
2: the one power and kind of escape. Yeah, he's yep. gu- he's going to destroy the know. taint. Yeah, so so also, one other thing we're not going to have an answer for, but I got to point it out. Uh, he's had in dreams before um, this image of yep. his eye getting plucked out like but still i mean i'm i don't even have any theories at this point as as to what that might be but i mean it, the fact that it's come up multiple times it's got to mean something i don't know if it's a foreshadowing to a literal we're going to have brand with a patch over one eye eventually or uh, <laughs> who knows maybe <laughs> Sure. Don't don't <laughs> don't quote me for a prediction there because I still have, have no I have part of me I are, no idea. like that's uh,
1: another way that he's glimpsing right. beyond so, yeah, kinda he... using Matt's mind's eye to kind of get an idea of where they're at. Like it's just like a glimpse, like I'm snatching Ooh. this image out of your mind and now I know where you are, so I'm coming for you.
2: Yeah. It's part of the tracking mechanism. Mm. Mm-hmm. How about that? Yeah. Camelin, the grandest city in the world. And that's how we end this. So, you know, and, and
0: Matt's kind of, you know, as soon as he wakes up, Mac did not sleep at all. He said, the guy talked all night long. And... <laughs> yeah. And, he and, pulled and, an and, Allen.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love you, man. I love you. That was a low blow.
0: Uh, it was, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> been there. Um, so, yeah. So, the chapter ends with Bot saying, We're here, Camlin, the greatest city in the world. So, yeah. Any thoughts from that chapter? No, it was really one that was meant to get
1: us to Camlin.
2: I'm surprised we talked we, this much about we, it. We spent that's my two
1: cents.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 yeah, we, we, yeah, ten, 10 minutes of that recording time is trying to figure out the phone, but, um, right. But, yeah. <laughs> we, we we stretch some stuff out there. So, um, so yeah, we'll move on to the next chapter. But first, we got to go have an ad. Chapter 35, Camelin. Uh We got a picture of a new icon. A new one. It's a lion. Any thoughts? I know there's not much talk about the chapter title. It's just the name of the city we've been going toward forever. Uh, <laughs> but we do have a new icon. It's Lannister,
1: Lannister, House Lannister. <laughs>
0: yeah, right, right. It's the Lannisters.
2: <laughs> yeah. It gave me the impression of royalty, uh, and there's been talk about the Queen, and obviously we got the rundown from Bunt about what's actually going on there. But anyways, uh, so that when I first looked at it, entering Cameland this big grand city, there's royalty sitting on a the throne there. I see the lion, I think. King, Queen. That, that's about all I got. Yep. And you see, you see a little. Well, never mind. Never mind. That's we won't it. go there.
1: You see a little. Oh. Uh,
0: <laughs> 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 anyway, uh, no. those that
1: don't know what we're talking about, take a close look at the picture. <laughs>
2: <laughs> anatomically oh, right. correct? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, a, big okay. a big feat, yeah.
0: Um, so, you know, they're, they're, they're right at the Camel at this point. Rand's like talking mid-sentence. and kind of looks over the cart and just, you know, stops, jaw drops because he actually sees Camelon. Um I'm hoping this hits as hard as it does like in the, in the, the way it's written here, like in the show, like how amazing this must look. But they give a really good description um, of the city here. He said, buildings clustered as if every
1: town he had passed through had been gathered and settled down there side by side and all pushed together. Inns thrust their upper stories above the tile roofs of houses and squat warehouses. Broad and windowless shouldered against them all. Red brick and gray stone and plastered white jumbled and mixed together. They spread as far as the eye could see. Barlon could have vanished into it without being noticed, and Whitebridge swallowed up twenty times over with hardly a ripple. Yeah, there you go. All I can see for those anime fans: um, attack on Titan, like the rose wall, and then the city within, and the intro to oh. attack on Titans. You just see like city going forever, and I like. That's kind of part of the imagery I get. So if you haven't seen Attack on Titans, there's my plug. Go look up at least the intro and you can kind of hit the, see, hit the YouTubes. <laughs> you can <laughs> see what I envision.
2: <laughs> and do you watch anime? Uh, no, but I have a lot of friends who do and they send me stuff and I occasionally hit the YouTube. So like I, I know some of these things that are referenced and names and locations, but yeah. if you want me to quote Storyline, no. Yes, Do whatever I'm not your guy.
0: Remember Chris goes in anime, I just glaze over, not be honest. But uh, <laughs> I've
2: never, I, I have I have just uh, well uh to the same point, I have I've only twice uh done a campaign in D&D in my entire life. I've never
1: uh, done Dungeons and Dragon.
2: Right, but I know uh, a fair amount about it because I have friends that are religious about it and they tell me all about their campaigns and this and that and the other. And so I have a pretty good grasp of it without ever really having experience. So that's possible. Yeah,
0: i never, I never played it either, but I do have a lot of friends that play um, and have talked to them. And I actually have listened to D&D things before because I enjoyed the storylines, um, even though I never yeah. played. It's just kind of intimidating as someone that's never played before. Um, plus... Time-wise, I don't think I have time to play it.
2: <laughs> that's, that's that's more what it gets down to. Um, uh, so you you say that, but truth is, it's one of the most inclusive groups of people I've run into. I, I and ne- if, if you found if you found somebody into it and you were like, "Hey, honestly, I've never done it, but I'd like to," can you start me out? They'd be like, "Oh my gosh!" and they would find a way to get you in. They they would they'd find a way to get you included. That's exactly At least how the they people I've too. Yeah. <laughs> something uh, like that
0: I figured I figure I'm gonna go to Jordan Consumer my first time playing next year because um, they play a lot down there so anyway
2: it um, will right, yeah, we'll make it work yeah we'll, we'll, well figure hey, a, out. L- a, little, a little twist because uh, he mentioned the anime and you glazed over and I only briefly uh, understood it but uh, that last line the barrel could have vanished uh, into it without being noticed and Whitebridge swallow up 20 times over with hardly a ripple uh, so I go down YouTube rabbit holes all the time because I have no life And I'm sure you all have seen the ones where it starts like the video is focused on a atom that turns into a model molecule that turns into this and goes bigger. And eventually you're looking at a cat and you're like, "Ooh, neat, a cat. And then it zooms out some more and there's a man and then an elephant and then a giant building. And then you're looking at like a giant field, then a state and then a country, a continent, Earth, and keep zooming out, and then you're like, ooh, we're past Earth. Now we're looking at the solar system, and blah, 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 blah. Like, that's kind of how I envision this. Like, he's looking at it, and he's like, well, I thought this was life, and this was big, and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. At the same time, I do hope that at some point, (laughs) Jordan doesn't keep trying to paint the same picture every time they walk into someplace new. Um, Yeah. I mean there's room for there's room for one or two more things a little bit more grand than Camelin if he wants to. But he's gotta get super creative in how he describes it because we've run into this before. Like I thought Emmons Field was big. Right. I thought Fairlawn was big and Whitebridge is so tight. Like well, we've heard a few like, I get it, Like Tarvalon. Like you haven't been there yet, but that's Yeah, and there's a good and there's a good chance that's gonna be significant. Yeah. So that's why I say there's room for one or two more. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. But at some well, point, if Rand and Matt and others go, gosh, I never thought something could be so big. Like, I'm just going to reach through the book and slap them. Like, come on. It's uh, uh, you've been uh, surprised uh, this many times. Just accept that you uh, knew nothing of this world that you lived in. No, well, that's do, paragraph we, three. We
1: get These few points, though, where he brings something new into it. Like, again, he talks about the wall. He talks about the towers. But then he says a thousand stories had painted cities in his mind. The great cities of kings and queens, of thrones and powers and legends, and Camlin fits into those mind deep pictures as water fits into a jug. So at least he redeems himself there by giving some type of like illustration beyond what he's already said about all these other places. So mm-hmm. I'll give him that much. He does at least add a little bit of twist.
2: Yeah, it seems like Camelon Tarand is like the most grand fantasy of a city he could have ever possibly thought to imagine. Yeah. So we're, we're at the peak of what his imagination could have conceived. Mm-hmm. So it's big.
1: And Bunt's like, what did I tell you? The grandest city in the world, built by <laughs> ogres, you know. Least the inner city in the palace where it's the old Camlin is. Camelon. Where good queen was it, Morgase? How do we pronounce that?
0: Yeah, Morgase.
1: So he's just, he's enthralled by it. So, you know, and I like this guy. So this would be my my final resting place. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Sounds good. So Matt's worried about all the people, though. So as they're getting closer, Matt's getting really sketched out by all these people in the city. Uh, Rand kind of looks at an opportunity like it's going to be easy to hide, you know, like, but Matt's worried there's too many people too many could be dark friends and Rand's like, well, we can hide, we can blend into the crowd. Um, they can't all be dark friends. Kind of Rand's approach to it. And they, they go into the city and, uh, and they see a actual boulevard that has a median, you know, which is kind of foreign to them because to the, the yeah. road's that big and, and Butt pulls into like an alleyway mm. and stops and says, well, okay, here's the end of the road uh, for you guys. So, um, at this point, uh, you know, ask Rand about the hairmark blade, and, and Rand about and gets super suspicious. Um, but but defends himself, saying, "Hey, listen, I'm just trying to help. Help here." Well, um, before we go that
1: far, Matt hurt my feelings. Yeah, I have to say it. Ooh. It says, Rand goes, us hear it, I'm it curious. Matt, anything could happen here, anything. So this pure excitement that Rand has, we might even find Moraine waiting for us, and Egwene, and the rest. And Matt's like, if they're alive, if you ask me, there's as dead as the gleeman. Hmm. I'm like, he's
2: not dead, damn it, Matt.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody, everybody else. Possibly from their perspective, but how did how did he give up on Tom? Exactly, what? Like, go, go such a donkey dick. I mean, leave him Tom alone.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: Tom will come okay. back with a vengeance. Anyway, my my yeah. thought for the moment.
2: Sure, Uh yeah. be on that. Okay, so I like the disparity between the two. Um, both of them, they're in a position they don't really know if anybody else in the party is still alive. Even, even Tom technically, although they believe he's dead. Uh, but Matt has the defense mechanism and, and that's the way I see it as just I need to hurry up and accept that they're dead. I'm just, they're dead. I need to deal with it. He's he's quick to try and move on. Uh, he, he doesn't want to deal with the anxiety of worrying about whether or not they're still alive. So he jumps that they're dead. Whereas Rand is taking more, I'll say, the leadership role or he's assuming it because the words that he's saying out loud to Matt is no, they're alive. They're alive. We're fine. We got to keep moving. But then you read the italics of what he's thinking and and it's more, I hope they're alive. Like, uh, you know, he, he quotes the light. And when I, why I see light, I I think the F bomb. So it's like, fuck, I hope they're alive, but that's what he's thinking. But when he says out loud, he's trying to lead Matt along, uh, along, Mm -hmm and convince him and himself that they're going to meet up with him again. They're going to reunite. They're still alive. Sort of sure. Thing. So it's, it's interesting seeing the two different strategies in dealing with the unknown. Right. So, yeah.
0: So fast forward, they're, um, Bunts, like I said, they're in the alleyway, they're getting suspicious of Bunts and Bunt defends himself. saying he's trying to help, um, and kind of gives us an advice thing, you know, Hey, if I were you, I- I'd get rid of that sword. Um, You know, people it's going to draw people to you. Obviously, that's the first thing I heard when they talked about you back at that village uh, was that sword. You know, you probably should just sell it. Ditch it. Get rid of it. And then he leaves. (laughs) So they're thinking about whether they're safe and the what-ifs and all that great stuff. And, And then they kind of decide they need to find their way to the Queen's Blessing. They remember that that's what Tom had said. Um, go find the Queen's Blessing. So, um, you know, they start asking around, but before they get there, Matt has a panic attack. Um, he, uh, I mean, an obvious panic attack. That's that's what it is. Um, with everything going on around him and people walking around, it starts, you know, saying, Fades are going to get us, blah, blah, blah. And Rand's just like, people might overhear us. Shut up, shut up. You know, I try to calm down. I don't know if you guys had thoughts about that scene
2: well so i am i'm, I'm kind of where chris was at in the last chapter i i have a couple things that i thought were significant but um i guess there's nothing going on even with matt having his panic attack that isn't surprising to sure. me because they're they're entering uh this city not a town anymore this city just with so many people just uh they're they're overwhelmed mm-hmm. in 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 every sense of of the phrase um, in a way they never have been before. And they have all these other pressures on them. They're basically starving. Uh, they've been traveling nonstop. so like For Matt to be freaking out, okay. Uh, not a surprise to me. Story's moving along. For Rand to be second-guessing himself between what he's saying and what he's thinking. Uh, nothing surprising. Story's moving along. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing that did stand out to me I don't know if anybody else has been tracking the crazy shit I've been saying, but very early on, um, I mentioned how the reference to the Heronmark sword was always Tam sword, Tam sword, Tam sword. And then I finally, I'm, I don't even know if this is the first time it came up, but it's the first time I noticed it. Uh, well, shoot, where is it? Underlined there? Staying unnoticed was something Rand thought about a great deal. He kept his cloak over his sword. So I'm not saying this is the first time it was referenced as Ran's sword, his sword. But this is the first time I noticed it and underlined it. So if it happened before this, please someone correct me along the way. But uh, I know I called it out earlier. Like, when was the transition from it being Tam's to being him? So now he's starting to take ownership of it. It's his. He's not just borrowing it from Dad. Huh. It's not a loaner. It's, it's his. So I, I circled that one. And after tonight, I'm definitely going to go back and reread a little bit to see if that's, in fact, the first yeah. reference. But I think that's significant.
0: I wasn't paying attention. for I yeah. remember you mentioned it early on, uh, and you are wondering what's going to happen, but I completely forgot that we were looking for that transition. So, yeah.
2: Cool. Yeah. So the, I don't know if it's the first, but that's I the, first I, the first. I think it is the first. I think you're
1: you're dead on. Um, I think with as much trouble as the sword has cost him, he kind of has to lay claim to it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's clinging to it. It's like, this is the only thing I have to remember my father by, if he is even my father, which we're now doubting that he is. Um, But at the same Mm -hmm. time, he's like, this sword's also causing me a lot of issue, but it's one of the only things of value that I have. It's the weapon that I'll have to use in the event I have trouble. So it is. he's really being defined
2: by the sword, so now it's Become a part of him. Absolutely. I mean, so Matt calls him out for selling it. Um, what's it, What's his name? Was it Goad, the guy that noticed the heron mark? In... and Oh, right, right, right. So Hake, but well, no, the other guy, the the Start dark friend good. dude. Hake was the innkeeper.
0: That yeah, but...
2: yeah. So they 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 both definitely noticed it. Anyways, and now he's at the point where he's like, all right, well we we can't do our. Uh, Gleeman type deal because people are gonna notice this, but at the same time, like you said, like he's attached to it, it's a part of him. Uh, if he reveals that he has this and Mark sword, it's gonna stand out to the dark friends. So it's, yeah, definitely made that transition. It's his right, yeah. So
0: the next scene, they start, you know, asking around for directions to the Queen's Blessing. They're getting a lot of different answers, but people are ignoring them. Um, some people are trying to give them some kind of response. Um, uh, you realize that there's a lot of different cultures, and it's kind of a a big city melting pot. And this kind of reminds me, like if I was in New York and I was trying to ask on Times Square directions to a hotel that's you know down, I guess, uh, Lower Manhattan. Um, and I'm just going to random people in Times Square. Like half of them are tourists. Probably not a lot of you know, like not a lot of locals. It's you know, like a big city type
2: feel. No one's gonna, yeah. yeah. But but you're from the deep south and you're wearing uh, coveralls and you're talking in your deepest southern accent, so like you clearly stand out right. and you've been traveling in your work clothes and yeah, so you, you got it. There's a lot of emphasis right. there. I mean, I, I had the same image. Uh, I thought New York City, yeah. um, but definitely stands out as a as a come here, not from right. there.
0: And, and you see all the different cultures too. He talks about people wearing different dresses and and veiled people and you know all sorts of you know uh, uh you know cultures and skin colors and you know hairstyles and everything. So um obviously a big melting pot, like you would think a big city. Um and, and Rand starts to notice that people are wrapping their swords, the people that do carry their swords, with either white or red cloth. Um So (laughs) (laughs) Rand, so so Rand gets the idea that you know he should probably wrap his. That way, he can hide his hair and mark as well. Um, What a moron! So he goes into the the shop, and he picks red because it's cheaper. Uh, That's that's his logic. He has no idea. He He has no idea that
2: goes with. He has no idea
0: the meaning of the cloth. So I just want to stop there and kind of get your thoughts on this whole entire decision that Rand's making right now.
2: I'm curious if our, you know, we have people not just over the US, but in other countries um, listening to this podcast. So I'm curious if that jumped out to them immediately when they read it, because the second he was noticing the different raps on swords, I thought, all right, these are different sex uh, gangs, if you will, groups of people. And when he decided to just pick a grouping of colors to wrap his, uh it's gonna it's gonna lead to something. If it if it doesn't, Jordan missed an opportunity here. Uh because where I grew up, uh and you didn't grow up too far from it, so you knew of it, mm-hmm. Alan. Uh, certain colors meant certain things. And you don't just randomly go, oh, cool. That guy's got a red bandana. I'm going to wear one, too, just like him. No, you're going to get yourself in fucking trouble with that. So I'm I'm waiting for that one to bite him in the ass. Like someone's going to pull him aside and ask for the secret handshake. And when he can't do it, shit's going to hit the fan. (sighs) Oh, man. Talk about real life. (laughs)
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, no, seriously <laughs> We're all from Newport News exactly. I grew up in downtown Newport News And somehow I survived, I don't know like, I have no A lot of me was I mean. like,
1: is this like the <laughs> difference In the
2: person it was a good time. supports versus Against uh, the dragon
1: Or like, okay. like That was my, my first indicate. My first thought was You know, we've got a clear decision That needs to be made, like are they going Do we know for sure this dragon is going to be put to death Is it going to be left to the people are there people out there that are going to fight against those that want the dragon to be, you know, put to death? Um, which means there would be two different sects, which means there would be some type of fighting in the city, which would be horrible for a place this crowded. That um, I mean, a lot of damage done eventually. It's so like all of these thoughts flooded my mind. And I kind of got as overwhelmed, I guess, as Matt is throughout this whole process. Um, I, both boys really said Rand even lost the sense of what Tam taught him because he became so overwhelmed that he couldn't focus on the details of what's beyond what's in front of him. So like Matt is the one that's like clearly outwardly yeah. spoken about how uncomfortable he feels, how he feels like he's gonna die, um, how you know anxious he's gotten. But then you got people like uh, Rand, who's now making just like these quick, rash decisions without gathering the intelligence first, like he was taught. So, you know, that bothered
2: me just a little bit. Exactly. Sensory overload. Mm-hmm. They've never experienced anything like this, so there's a bit of bit of panicking going on. So, I'm, I'm giving him some wiggle room you know, we're, we're, decision we're all kind making. Of
1: panicking. This is the the most action we've got in one
2: chapter
1: <laughs> in regards to life. Yeah. Everything picking up and coming to a point of like, aha, it's like I'm excited because like stuff is about to happen.
0: It, yeah. So after they get out there, um, you know, Matt's upset with Rand about how much money is spent on cloth, you know, saying, hey, you know, this is a waste of our money. We're almost out of money. Why are you spending money on cloth? We need food, you know, to <laughs> sleep and, and Matt's super paranoid, super upset. He's just kind of falling apart at this point. Uh, probably sleep-deprived, obviously didn't sleep the night before with Bunt talking on it long. Um, And Rand kind of puts his foot down and says, you know, no, we're staying here. We're going to look for the others here. We're going to at least make it to the Queen's Blessing. So Tom told us to do, stay the course. Um, And and directions start to get better as they get closer and closer, and then suddenly they're standing in front of the Queen's Blessing. (laughs) So they go into the inn. And it's a very clean and welcoming inn. I mean,
2: everything's super, super tidy. It seems to be. But what's the, what's the most important indicator?
0: The, the basil gill, our, our innkeeper, is very,
2: very fat. The, <laughs> the innkeeper was fat. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah. He was pleased to see. I'm telling you, man, you don't want to see no skinny innkeeper. Those skinny uh, ones, uh, they uh, cause uh, trouble. Uh, but the fat ones, yeah. uh, a pink faced man in a starch white apron, bro. You're in yeah. a good place. <laughs> exactly. Give me, the, give me that honeycakes.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they, they go in, and it's a very welcoming place. And they meet Basil Gil, um, get a description of Basil, um, Mr. A master Gil. And, um, and, and Rand says, uh, that Tom told him to come here, uh, and Gil's smile fades immediately and says, come follow me.
1: <laughs>
0: um, so when you first read this, what was your thoughts? I mean, I know obviously walking in, you felt good. But then all of a sudden, Gil, Gil's mood changed really fast.
1: This is that first moment where I thought maybe Tom really is dead. Yeah. As much as I mm. want him to come back. Blasphemy.
2: Exactly. Shame. Shame. I'm
1: like, the only reason why he would give up his flute and his balls is because he really didn't expect. Tom's <laughs> ball. <it. laughs> <laughs> oh. That he really wanted somebody uh, to carry out his legacy. And then this is a clear indication to this innkeeper that his friend is gone. Either that or Tom owed him a lot of money. So, and he lost out on it. So, yeah. my mind was a little torn there. I was like, eh, if he's still alive, maybe he just owes him a lot of money.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and Gil Gil leads them out to the, I guess, the stable yard, and it rounds immediately on Rand and wants to know the story. Like, gets really suspicious. Why are you here? Like you said, um, where's Tom? And uh, no, and and recognizes Tom's stuff and says, "Yeah, it's Tom's stuff, but where's Tom?" And they tell tell him that Tom's dead, and Gil doesn't believe that he's dead. You know. That was because uh, Team Gill.
2: Um, I'm on Team Gill. Yeah, I'll believe he's dead. The innkeeper said slowly. When I see his corpse. Yeah. Me too. Hashtag <laughs> me too. <laughs>
0: I don't think you use that hashtag the right <laughs> way. <laughs> All
2: right, uh, pound, pound me too. Pound me too. Where is the Hashtag. Uh, yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, I don't know. Um. So yeah, Gil doesn't
0: believe him. Um. And you know, Gill. All of a sudden, then kind of gets uncomfortable and, and starts to a hint, asking if uh, if one of them can, uh, uh, you know, he's like, no, 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 we can't channel, like, <laughs> you know, we can't use the power. Um, you know, Rand says nothing like that, nothing like that. That's not that's not of those it really shenanigans
1: because it's like they tried to lie. Uh, a man tried to kill us. Tom pushed this at me and told us to run this man knows Tom well enough to know that an average man isn't going to kill him. He said he's a harder man to kill than you might believe is old Tom Marilyn. So that mm-hmm. that goes back to our whole idea of, you know, Tom the White. He was the Grey.
0: He's going to become yeah. the White. So, oh, man. Sure. So Gil, Gil does buy their stories and offers them free beds and food. So that's the least I can give to you if you're really Tom's friends. And, and starts to tell him about Tom's past. He goes, oh, well, you don't know about why Tom would not come to Camelon? Well, let me tell you about Tom. So we we learn a lot about Tom here. Um, Tom was a cor-
2: Tom is awesome.
0: <laughs> I love him. I thought you thought he was a dark friend. Last time we talked, he was a dark friend. <laughs>
2: No, I mean I'm still suspicious, but man, in his prime he was a player. <laughs> so he was a court bard, which is um that's no that's no common Gleeman.
0: I mean, if you play for Royals, it's like the top of the top. Um
2: Alan, yeah. Alan, who are you talking yeah. to? Chris, you and I uh, never, never thought never. he was a common Gleeman. Never. It never crossed our mind. So <laughs> I guess you're talking to somebody else, Alan, but go ahead. <laughs>
0: but he was a court bard personally for the queen and was famous i mean he played um you know to to royals all over the world um and there's even rumors that he was the lover to the queen after she was widowed
2: uh, <laughs> giggity, giggity. Yeah.
0: but then when his nephew got in trouble with uh, the isidai um he took off to go help his nephew and apparently said some harsh things to the isidai's and to morges about this and uh Apparently when you talk harshly to the Queen, it sometimes can can end up uh, having your head ordered to be taken off so um, uh,
2: yeah. I know nothing about yeah. that so
0: Tom Tom left with being wanted for execu- you know, to be executed um, and we also get another name here, Gareth Bren, who is the captain general of the Queen's Guard who also personally he still is and was personally sent to go catch her Tom and Tom's able to sneak back in and get back out. Without so, as a great insult to uh to the
2: captain general, so no, you're looking. It's all about perspective. It's not an insult. That may be what he wrote. It's not an (laughs) insult to the captain general. It it gives credit to the skills (laughs) of Tom. I'm telling you, he is not he is not dead. This bro, (laughs) he he can he can throw elbows. So, uh, but but also one little side note, I have to correct myself where I remember, um. It's not a full correction, but I doubted Tom's story about his nephew uh, because I was being suspicious of him. And maybe he's just making this up to try and get Rand to, you know, follow along with him, whatever. But we now have somebody that is corroborating at least that there was a story. We don't have the details of it and that something significant did happen to his nephew. So I will give I'll I'll give I got a tip. I have it a little bit to Tom. I gave him some shit earlier, but maybe the whole nephew thing was real. And we'll find out, maybe. So, yeah, there we go.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, that's that's kind of the end of Tom's stories. Any thoughts from you guys about overall? Uh, Chris, do you have thoughts about this whole story of Tom's backstory? Not really. It was kind of everything we
1: hoped it was and then some. Like, we have been, you know, Team Tom the entire time. Um, the fact that he uh, may have diddled the queen a few times is pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, I wonder if there's like <laughs> maybe not a nephew, but like an <laughs> illegitimate child or something. You know, that would be something right. cool. Um, but you know, it's, it's exactly what <laughs> I thought it would be. And he's still alive when we know yep. this. So.
0: so, yeah. So, yeah, at this point, the chapter ends uh, with them going to get food. Um. Yeah. You know, going back into the end, and, and and we kind of wrap up this chapter. So, any final thoughts on the ep- on these two chapters? Are I know they kind of seem like filler chapters, but there are some little nuggets in here. Um, that uh, they're they're not a hundred percent. There are you know you get Tom's backstory. Uh, in the previous chapter, we had the, the the little bit about uh you know Almond Butts' uh, story as they're driving, but yeah.
2: I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I'll say this, and it's just a little more emphasis on our Tom theory. People could be laughing at us, or maybe they're like, oh my gosh, they're onto it. I don't know, but I I still think he's alive. But uh, the story of Tom, uh, whether he's alive or not, is going to grow. At least I hope it does, because the innkeeper, uh, as he's rattling on to Rand, says, so I'll give you beds, not the best, but warm and dry, and something to eat. And I can't, I cannot promise more. However much I'd like. And then Rand says, "Thank you." The quizzical glance at Matt. It's more than I expected. And then, as it as he's thinking about it, he's like, "What was the right sort, and why should he promise more?" And clearly, it has nothing to do with. At this point, from Rand's perspective, who Rand or Matt are, it has everything to do with what Tom was, who Tom was, in his relationship with this person, and it you think about the buildup coming up to uh, Camelin and nobody was giving them any sort of courtesy. If people looked at them, it was just to roll their eyes or glare or whip them with a, a bullwhip or something. And now all of a sudden, just the mention of a relationship with Tom and they're getting fed, they're getting a place to stay at a nice inn in this grand city. Mm. Uh, there there's again, uh, I don't want to keep challenging Jordan because I these uh, so far he's a fantastic author. Right. Right. But he would be doing a huge disservice if he doesn't wrap this up a little bit more with Tom, because there's clearly more to it. And I'm intrigued. Any final no, thoughts, I Chris? Think that's
1: very well said. I'd love to know what he said to the queen. I'd love to know what their interaction really looked like. I, I, hate how his story continues to build if he's supposed to be dead. Like what level of importance should he really hold if he's dead? So I'm going to use this as support for my theory that he will be back. But then it also raises suspicion for me that there's more to the story of the nephew because of the fact that his nephew was really the cause of him falling from greatness, to be honest with you. I mean, there's nothing better than being like, you know, the, I, I mean, you're you're messing with the queen. Like you there's no <laughs> you are sleeping in her bed, you're yeah. eating her food, all you gotta do is play a little bit of music and uh and pleasure yourself with her and you know so it's I just can't wait to find out more, but at the same time I don't really want to develop him if he's not gonna come back. Move on to somebody else. And that's the other thought. Like I've kind of I'm kind of worn out with the, the Rand and Matt like crybaby stuff like I'm ready to get back to Perrin and the shape shifting that he'll be doing soon I'm ready to (laughs) I'm ready to get back to Dwayne and her learning (laughs) to use her magic I'm I'm ready to get back to our our wisdom and her adventures with Moraine and becoming an Aes Sedai rather than a wisdom like I need a little bit more action now so far, our characters have just been getting beat to
2: heck. Yeah, what you're saying is we need to be able to read exactly. the next three books in the next three weeks. <laughs> is what you're saying? Yeah. can't happen. Sorry, but it's that bad. ain't that ain't gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, slow it down, yeah. bro. Pump the <laughs> brakes. So
0: yeah, but next but next <laughs> week we do get to do some shifts. Uh, so next week we're covering two more chapters. It's going to be uh, the chapters are chapters thirty. Six and thirty seven, the Web and Web of the Pattern and the Long Chase. Um and Web of the Pattern, you get to meet one of my favorite characters in the entire series. So um dun, so dun, as soon dun. as we're done here, well actually we're gonna go and talk to other people on Discord, but as soon as we're done done um with everything, um you guys can go ahead and read if you want, or you can wait till next Tuesday, like you guys are normally do. Uh, <laughs> you to read it.
2: <laughs> <I can't read laughs> these next
0: chapters. but um if there's nothing else i'll go ahead and wrap this up so uh how you can find us we can be found on social media um um at the uh, our, our, at the wheel reads on twitter facebook instagram uh the will reads at gmail.com is our email address uh, we have a wonderful discord community um that is listening to us live right now we're continuing doing these live streams uh, I guess while COVID's going on and while we can and capacity, uh, technology doesn't work. It doesn't work. Uh, obviously, last week we didn't because we, we had a guest host, but um, and we'll do those again from time to time. I think our next guest host is is episode 20, and we're on 17 now. So we we'll, we might do a few more live ones before uh, we have to do a non-live one again or if we're not quarantined. We'll figure it all out. Um, and then uh, Patreon as well. Um, we do have, like I said, we're growing that. Um, those do mostly go back to buying its equipment uh, and giveaways. Um, most of it's gone to giveaways right now because I had to double order books and things like that, but that's a long story. Uh, but we'll continue to do that kind of stuff. Um, um, and also make sure you like, subscribe, rate us, comment on any podcast servers you listen to us on, whether it's Spotify or, or, or Google or Apple podcast. Um, we'd love you guys to 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 give us ratings and help boost us up so people can find us. Um, so yeah, um, anything else, you guys? No, just we wrap it up. Stay safe, everybody.
1: Peace.
2: Until we meet again. All right.
0: Thank you for listening to the Wheel of Reads. See y'all next time.